just sung, His truth is marching on. It will never sound retreat. What a blessing it is to know that and to know that truth prevails. You know, um, just this week in, in preparing for this morning, um, just a, a real struggle in my spirit. You know, we can, we can, could look back at the glory years of America and we could recount all the, the ways that God has shown His hand and His power in our nation's history and, um, and relive the glory years, so to speak. Relive those things. We could also spend time looking at where are we today and how did we go from a God-fearing nation to where we are today and we could list what's wrong in our nation and, and we could spend a lot of time with that. We could look at what does the future look like for America. And um, as I thought of all of those, I thought, man, if, if all we do is, is look back at what God has done, and hopefully you're aware of the things that God has done, I thought that's kind of like us old geezers talking about the good old days. You know what I mean? Yeah, back in those days, they, that was really good. We... We feared God and a godly name. But that's not where we're at today. If if then we just focused on, look at this is what's wrong, and look where we've gone here, and look where we've gone here, it's like, man, nothing like beating us down with the rod, and, and we pretty much know where we are here today. If we look to the future... What does the future have for us in America? Well, we kind of alluded some to it this morning in Sunday school, Romans chapter 1. And um, prophetically, there's not a real great future for America. But you know, if we look to the Word of God, we find great hope. And that's where we want to look today. And we want to remind us of three basic truths, and then we want to briefly look at those that, that modeled a godly behavior in the midst of a wicked and perverse nation. But first of all, some basic truths to remember. Number one, God is in control. I ask you to turn to Daniel, but would you turn to Isaiah chapter 46? Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46 and verse 9. Isaiah, a prophet, bringing the message of the Lord about judgment, and, and he brings a message about the judgment on Babylon and so on. 
But notice verse 9. Remember Isaiah 46, verse 9. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Do you understand? God is saying, I want to remind you of something. There's judgment coming all around you, but be reminded of this. I am God, and there is none other. And from the very beginning to the very end, I am God, and my counsel will be fulfilled. What he's saying is, I am in control. And it may look like things are out of control in the world that we're living in, And it may look like chaos is around us, but God says, I want you to know I am on the throne, I am in control, and my counsel will be fulfilled. Turn to Daniel now. Daniel, again. Daniel chapter 4. God is dealing in Nebuchadnezzar's life, the wicked king. And on three separate occasions, he says the same thing. And I'm, I'm not going to read it in the three separate occasions, but in verse 17, in verse 25, and in verse 32. But notice if you'd look in verse 17. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth over it the basis of men. Notice what it says, the Most High ruleth in the kingdoms of men and he sets over it who he wills. Regardless of your political bent or not, the fact of the matter is, God is in control. And the fact of the matter is, as Benjamin Franklin said, when the Constitutional Convention was at a stalemate, it looked like they were not going to be able to to decide in any agreement on anything. Benjamin Franklin said, In essence, men, we are most in air. If we think that a nation can rise up without acknowledging God, the God who knows every time a sparrow falls to the ground, certainly knows the needs of a nation. And it was his appeal that led to public prayer in appealing to God and saying, God, we need you. And it was like things changed. They were able to grieve. They, the divine hand of God was manifested in the United States Constitution. Never before had there been a, a national document like that. And again, it was God ruling on the hearts 
And understand, in your life and in our world, God is on the throne. He's not wringing his hands. He's not saying, what are we going to do with ISIS? He is in control, and he makes even the devices of the wicked to praise him. That's fact number one. Fact number two, our mission as believers has not changed. Now, if you were to say, what is your mission in life? I'm afraid many Christians would struggle in identifying their mission. Often, our mission in life is no different than the world's other than we have a Christian version of it. We still have the mission of pleasure peace, and prosperity. Now, the world may go about it one way, but, hey, I'm a Christian. I go about it another way. I don't do it that way. That's not our mission. That's not the mission that God has given us. The mission that God has given us is to glorify God By proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. That is our mission. And I would prefer that that mission would be, humanly speaking, I'd prefer that it be in prosperity and comfort. But all throughout history, the mission for God's people has always been the same. And it has been a mission that people have been faithful to and loyal to in the midst of severe persecution, in the midst of having their heads chopped off and used as street lanterns in the cities, in the streets of Rome. It is a mission that has not changed. And regardless what happens in our nation, what, regardless of what happens around us, we have the same mission. Our mission is not to preserve our nation. Our mission is to be light to darkness, to bring truth, to expose lies, to bring life to that which is dead. Our mission is to glorify God. And that ought to touch every area of our life, everything we do. My purpose is to glorify God. I would love to do it not under persecution. But you know what? Regardless of what happens, God is in control and our mission never changes. It doesn't matter what history or government or culture or the media, they cannot change our mission. Our mission is to glorify God by proclaiming through our life, through our words, through our actions, The good news that Jesus Christ alone saves. That's our mission. And the third truth we want to call our attention to is God's grace is sufficient. American history is a testimony of God's grace being sufficient. Whether it be George Washington life miraculously preserved by the grace of God when he had bullet holes in his coat, but it never affected him. 
whether it be the men at the Battle of the Valley of Forge and their strength in the midst of marching through the snow without shoes. They said you could, could follow their path by the bloodstains in the snow where they marched. This ragtag band of, of quote-unquote soldiers that went against the, the strongest nation at the time and could somehow gain a victory, God's grace has been abundant. We could go throughout history and, and look at other opportunities where God's grace has been abundant. The bottom line is to realize our hearts need not be filled with fear. God is on the throne. Our mission hasn't changed. And God will give us the grace that we need to do what he's called us to do. These three truths are foundational for us to to remember. You can faithfully run the race and someday hear God say, well done. It's not dependent on the upcoming election in November. It's not dependent on your 401K. It's not dependent on your job or your health. God is in control of all those things. God is in control. We must be committed to our mission of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And God's grace is sufficient. We sang, America, America, God shed his grace on thee. And Daniel is a prime example of a man who in the midst of a wicked nation that was bearing the judgment of God, was able to stand and glorify God and magnify God's name. We don't have the time to go into the details, and uh, Lord willing, you know the story of Daniel. Taken captive from his family, taken to a, because he was uh, a well-defined young man, educated Physically strong, they took him captive, trained him in the pagan ways, and yet he never wavered from his faith in God. Not only did he not waver, in the midst of a wicked nation, he prospered. He was given great responsibilities. He was mightily used of God. So how do we thrive like Daniel? If there was one Bible character, it'd it'd be that relates. There's many, but one of the many that relate, relate with Daniel. Number one, it's clearly evident that Daniel knew God. If you want to thrive in the midst of a wicked nation... You must know God. I'm not just talking that you prayed a prayer and asked Jesus to forgive your sin. That is the first step in knowing God. That is receiving the gift of forgiveness. But then it's going on. The reason Jesus Christ forgives our sins is so that we can have fellowship with God, so that we can know God. Look in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 20. 
They called Daniel in to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Um, Daniel went and prayed and asked for direction. And Daniel answered and said, now notice, this to me tells me this is a guy that knew God. Notice his prayer, verse 20. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, and he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O God of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Notice his faith in God. Notice his, and, and again, we don't have the time to go into it, but that was a prayer that tells you he knew God. And if you want to thrive in the generation we live in, where the popular thing is to be on the opposite side of God, you must know God. Secondly, you must have Bible-based convictions. Daniel purposed in his heart, Daniel 1 and verse 8, that he would not defile himself with the king's meat, meaning Daniel had already established convictions. This is what I will do. This is what I will not do. And they were based upon the truth of God. Let me ask you, what unchangeables do you believe? Regardless of what may come, what is there that you will not waver on? Is it anchored in the Word of God? What is there that is you will not waver? Nope, there's, there's no option here. You know, honestly, there's, there's very few things that you can really have deep-seated conviction on. But those very few things are very, very important. Jesus Christ alone is my Savior. The Word of God is true, to mention a few of these. I will not do anything to renounce, to deny, to turn from the truth of Jesus Christ. That's, that's easy for us to say when everything seems to be going all right. But as it is for individuals from a Muslim background, when they come to Christ, they basically are stamping their death warrant. What is it that you are unchanged? No, this is what God said, and if God said it, then, then I must stand by it. Twin brothers, David and Jason Benham, are former professional baseball players. They're best-selling authors, speakers, and nationally acclaimed entrepreneurs. Their rapid rise to success earned them a reality show with HGTV. 
I guess that's Home and Garden TV, if that's right. It was set to air in the fall of 2014. Yet the show was abruptly canceled because of their commitment to biblical values. The twin brothers lost their HGTV show after a right-wing watch group ran an article calling the brothers anti-gay, anti-choice extremists for their comments on culture and Christianity. What was their crime? Simply sharing their biblical views on abortion, sexual promiscuity, and the practice of homosexuality. They didn't share their views with venom or anger, just matter-of-factly. And they lost a lucrative contract and a popular TV show in the process. But the Benham brothers never backed down. They continued passionate about their faith, lifting up the truth in a culture that may not welcome it. They made this comment. We see Christians in America and conservatives kind of running because there's a narrative that's now developed in our country and it targets people of faith. And people of faith oftentimes want to be silent. And now is not the time to be silent. When darkness rises, it is time to turn the light on. Those are convictions. And the convictions have to be backed by character. It's not just one thing to say this. It's another thing to live it. Character is doing right, even if it means losing a job. Regardless of the cost, regardless of the sacrifice, regardless of the inconvenience, character is living our convictions. This is right. It may not be praised as right. It may mean a fine, it may mean imprisonment, but this is truth. But we must live the truth. Daniel was a man that lived the truth. He didn't just say, no, 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 I won't do this, or yes, 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 I will do this. They said, Daniel is a man of an excellent spirit. He had character. His Actions met his convictions. Daniel knew God. He had Bible-based convictions. He had character. And in order to thrive like Daniel, we must trust God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will direct our paths. A person could be filled with fear in looking at what may be our future. But God is in control. Our mission hasn't changed. His grace is sufficient. And I can trust God. As for God, His ways are perfect. Why should I fear? Jesus is near. We'll ever trust in Him. Those of you that were here Tuesday heard the song, In God We Trust. I went back and listened to it again, and I thought, you know, this is, a, this is a perfect ending for reminding us there is hope. 
And I want you to listen to the words of this song. You know, we got to be careful what we listen to. I think the majority of us get way too much news and not enough word. Another way of saying it, we get way too much of falsehood and not enough truth. But in God is our trust, and our hearts ought to be encouraged. I can trust God. He took Paul through the Roman Empire. He took those faithful to his word through every age and every generation. And he's always had his remnant, and he will be faithful to his people. And I want you to say, God, am I trusting you? And God, help me trust you. And think of the words as you hear this song.
we trust. Hearts are filled with doubt and fear. Foundations crumble. But our faith is fixed on Him and Him alone. Our hope is anchored in Him. I love the phrase, we will prevail. Prevail we must. In God we trust. I don't know. If you like victory, you better get on God's side. You better quit trusting in anything else except God, because everything else will fail. In God we trust. In God we stand. Let's stand together and bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray today that we would be called back to the faith of our fathers. I pray that we would leave from whatever else we're tempted to trust. And Lord, that we would be called to know you, to have convictions that are anchored in your word and lived out of our life. And Lord, that our trust in you would be the peace in our life, the power in our life, that our trust in you would show a remarkable difference. And Lord, that you would be glorified as we commit ourselves to the mission you've called us to, to bring the great news of forgiveness in Jesus Christ to those you bring into our lives. Lord, may truly our trust be in you. And we know it will never be disappointed. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Join me together in singing.